Again, we do appreciate everyone that's here tonight, and we want you to feel free and pray for us and listen. And if you have any questions uh, that we can answer, we'll be glad to, to answer them. What we're going to basically study on tonight is a resolution that was passed on in the Enon Association in 1881. But before we put that forth, there's some, there's some things that I want to get in your thinking. Uh, the way that the way that people have interpreted that, that that resolution years ago and how they're applying it today. Now I have here uh, an article that was written about twenty something years ago. It's called Church Fellowship Based Upon the Fellowship with God. It's got a good title to it. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know how you would apply that. That way it sounds like that each one of us have to have fellowship with God before you fellowship with churches. And I don't know any of us that walk that close to the Lord, but, but I hope you all do better than I do. But uh, the brethren that drew this uh, instrument up, they have 11 articles that they have drawn up, and they call it the faith, walking in the faith in here that's in here written. Uh, I'm not going to go through all their articles, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But Article 4, they talk about letters of dismission. And their position is, God grants each church authority over its members. Therefore, a member must be dismissed from their home church before they can be added to the body of a sister church. This is to be accomplished by a letter of recommendation. The letter of recommendation shows that the member has been dismissed in good standing by their home church. The following verses demonstrate that the church has authority over its members. Now, I don't agree with their premise at all, you know, but now that's all right. They can hold that position. It's not a point to me of breaking fellowship over. But I want to read you the very first uh, scriptures that they used to verify their argument. Matthew 18, 7 through 9. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Therefore, it is, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off, and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt, or maimed, rather than having two hands and two feet, to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. This is their explanation of that. The application of these verses in times past may serve to cause confusion as to what is meant by this reference in Matthew 18, 7-9. These verses are referring to a, a member of the church body that has offended the church body. The offending member is to be cut off or to be plainer, they should be excluded. Some verses that point out how the members are associated with the church body in this way are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I don't understand the brethren's logic on that. I cannot be talking about the Lord's church there. It's talking about a lost sinner Amen. trying to find the Lord. I, I, you know, that's the way I've always heard it preached since I was a young man. Your eye is where your lust comes from. If a lost sinner has got, got his eye in the way and lust that's in his way, he has to get rid of that. Usually when you lust after something, you put forth your hand and take hold of it. It makes you guilty of that. And then if you ain't careful, your feet will walk in that way of going the rest of your life and you'll never get right with the God. That's what the Lord meant 
by you. If you eye offend, pluck it out. Get rid of that. Whatever it is in your way, get rid of it. So I don't agree with their, their, their logic on, on uh, Gretton letters or the necessity of Gretton letters. Now, they take an Article 6, they talk about excluded church members. A, any member who has been excluded from their home church must be reconciled to that church as long as that church continues to walk in the faith set forth herein. In other words, as long as that church agrees with what they've written in this document. If a church disagrees with what they write in this document, you're no longer a, a church walking in faith herein described. When an excluded member of a sister church appeals to another church, they should be reminded that we should be willing to take wrong or be defrauded because this is acceptable to God. I agree that the Lord tells His church members and tells us as God's children for us, us to, to endure the sufferings that the world puts upon us. But I don't believe the Lord ever intended for, for His churches to exclude their members wrongfully and then tell them there's nothing nobody can do and you just have to suffer because we've excluded you and nobody else has authority to do anything about it. That, that is not Bible, that is not taught in the Bible, nor is that Baptist doctrine. But it is the doctrine of every who wrote this document. And this is what they're going by. I got the back of it. It's 42 churches that went to this meeting that adopted this. An excluded member has at least defended his home church and should be admonished according to the directions given by Matthew 5, 23 through 24. In other words, a private matter between two members. So that, that, they don't know the difference between a public uh, offense and a private one. Uh, is to leave the gift at the altar be reconciled to their brother, or in this case, their home church. This is because their home church has acted according to the Lord's teaching in Matthew 18 and 8. In other words, go back to where they're applying that to a lost sinner to a church member. By the way, if that is talking to a church member there, then if that church does not cut off that eye or pluck it out that defends it, or if that church does not cut off that arm that defends it, or if that church does not cut off that foot that defends it, then that whole church will be cast into hell fire. For the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. If their doctrine is correct, that they're wanting us to go by, I'm not going by it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't believe it, and I ain't going to go by it. Until they are reconciled with their home, home church excluded member. Uh, is to be counted as a heathen man and a publican. Now, I agree with that as for the church member. If he's rightfully excluded, that's the way he should be treated. Uh, that, that's all I want to use on this document to get the idea set before. Now, I have another document here that was written about the same time by some of our brethren in this area. It's called Fellowship of Missionary Baptist Churches in Macon County, Tennessee and the surrounding area. Drawing the drawing the lines of church fellowship. The writer of this instrument here is answering, I don't know who y'all know Brother Jerry Reynolds and Brother Otis, I know y'all know Brother Otis Jones. About 20 years ago here at Lafayette in, in the basement of the old building, we used to have some meetings as older preachers and anybody wanted to come. And these brethren drew this article up trying to bring unity at that time through these brethren and sisters that would not fellowship. And they, it was a very good instrument that drew, drew up, but now... This uh, brother decided he would answer Brother Reynolds and Brother Otis and what their position was, and he, he gave it by what his positions are. Now I'm going to read to you right now about three of them to get, get the idea because all this goes back to the resolution of 1881. Uh, 
Brother Reynolds and Brother, uh, Brother Jones said, The Bible does not support formally withdrawing fellowship from a Baptist church because it receives one of our members without election. This is an act of discourtesy by the receiving church, but it does not authorize breaking fellowship over it. The brother's answer was, if a church is sound, they will not, and he got that capital letters, receive a member without a letter. When this is done, it is not, in capital letters, a discourtesy but an ursip of authority. And then he says, read the first sentence of point five by Elders Reynolds and Jones, which has nothing to do with what was said here. Uh, I can go back and read it if you want to later. And number 10, Brother Reynolds and Brother uh, Jones says, a letter is not a membership transfer, but rather a commendation, according to the words of Apostle Paul. It is a proven method of decreasing the risk of the receiving church. It is a good old tradition when properly used, which is based on biblical examples. Based, the same Bible says do it. It says it's based on biblical examples. This brother's answer was, answer, a letter is a piece of paper that contains the actions of the church having the authority over the member that wishes to move or transfer his, her membership. When the pro property used... When properly used, there will be no question of fellowship between the two churches involved. The third but I want to bring to your attention is the Bible, this is what Brother Reynolds and Brother Jones says, the Bible does not support formally withdrawing fellowship, thus excluding as a wrongdoer a worthy member who has united with a fundamentally sound church without a letter. While such may be a discourtesy, it is not an offense worthy of withdrawing fellowship exclusion from a member in good standing. It is enough to dismiss that brother or sister from the role with it recorded that the person has united the sister church by statement. Answer. Is, it, is a member truly worthy when they unite with another fundamentally sound church without a letter? Is the church truly fundamentally sound when they allow the member to unite with them without a letter? Elder Reynolds and Jones suggest that the church simply dismiss, mark name, the name off from the role which is recorded that, that the person has united by statement. I, for one, have never, capital letters, known this to be a practice of a sound Baptist church. Now, we've got that before you tonight. Now, we're going to read the, the final thing from this document that we want to get your attention because it goes to the 1881 resolution. Uh, Brother Reynolds and Brother Jones takes the resolutions of the Enon, Wiseman, and Siloam of 1969, bands them together, and, and gives what, what they teach. And he gives the statement, uh, basically speaking, that these three associations came together in 69 and set the standard on what would be uh, uh, disfellowship among the churches uh, from a, a church uh, 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 that used to be a Baptist. And what it is, when a church uh, starts teaching accepting Christ as salvation and leaving repentance out of it, then that's when you draw the line, when the church becomes unsound in its doctrinal positions. That was the only thing that these three associations referred to on us judging each other on fellowship. Now, here's the answer. The Enon, the Siloam, Enon, and Wiseman Associations adopted the resolution during their sessions in 1969 as... And as stated above, the resolution was concerned with having fellowship with the modern Baptists of that day. However, the practice 
of concern was toward the ordinance of baptism, as it is in 2002. The church in question in churches in question 1969 were not like the old-fashioned Baptists in our area, but they claimed to be. They stated that we were the same, and they still uh, and they still do today. But we know better because of their practice. Some churches in our ranks in 20, uh, 2002 are in error because they accept those from other sound churches without a letter of recommendation. Read the following resolution adopted in the Enon Minutes Association in 1881. Quote, Whereas it has come to the knowledge of this association that members of several churches belonging to this body have left the church where they hold membership without letters of recommendation and have been received by other churches without letters, therefore... Resolve that in the, the opinion of this association, such pre, pre, procedure is altogether improper and calculated to create discord and confusion, and evidently to destroy the fellowship between sister churches. Therefore, this association would advise the churches composing her body as a general rule to receive no member of a sister church who fails to become recommended by letter as a member in good standing and in full fellowship in the church where they hold membership. The writer then says, The United Association in 1881 saw confusion between churches because of this dangerous practice. And so should the churches in our day. Is it sound practice when a member of one church being excluded by a proper charge? Do you see where he, 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 he changed the argument? He was just taking a member by statement. And not ask for a letter. Now he's told him, is it proper to take an excluded member? I don't think there's a Baptist church in this country that would agree to take somebody that's excluded rightfully into their bodies without first going back to their home church and trying to make it right. If there is a Baptist church that would do that, I don't know anything about them. I know when it's, when it's come to our church in Old Macedonia, and we knew we'd send them back to the church that excluded them as a matter of courtesy. Did we have to? No, we had the authority to bind them. But as a matter of course, we sent him back to our sister church. So he switched his argument here. And he don't think we're smart enough to figure out that he switched it. That's what it boils down to. Is it a sound practice when a member of one church being excluded by a proper charge goes to another sound church and requests to unite with the second church by statement because the excluded member says his home church was wrong? Is it the place of the second church to make judgment as to whether the first church had authority to exclude the member? And should the second church take in the membership uh, by statement, thus usurping over the first church? Is this old-fashioned missionary Baptist practice? The United Association thought uh, in, not in 1881, and we, so should we today. And uh, So that, that's his position that wrote this. It, it's just plainly saying if you take somebody by statement, whether they were excluded or not, you're a circuit authority and, and, and you've transgressed the 1881 resolution. And so therefore, you're no longer a scriptural church. Period. Now, in uh, 1999, the non-minutes, I'd like to read this to you too. Uh, what, the, what the scriptures teach concerning the receiving of church members. The writers of, of this article that went in the association was Elder Floyd Ferguson, Brother A.W. Hughes and Brother J.W., I guess it's Grannon. I don't know exactly how you pronounce that last name. But they, they wrote this article. And uh, it, it says the scriptures teach that all 
who receive membership in the church must be received by unanimous vote. Acts chapter 10. Peter preached to the household of Cornelius, and while Peter preached, the Holy Ghost fell on them all which heard the word. Then they spake with tongues and magnified God. Then Peter asked the question, verse 47, Can any man forbid water that these should be not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? I guess that's a pretty good argument, except for one thing. Peter didn't go down there by the authority of Jerusalem church. Jerusalem church did not grant Peter an arm to go down there and receive members. Nor was there any vote taken. All he said, can any man forbid? And the ones that was there, there were six brethren that went with him. I agree with that. But there was no church authority involved in this whatsoever. So their argument goes down the drain when they say, oh, it's got to be unanimous by this scripture. I agree, I agree it's got to be unanimous. But let's don't take scriptures out of, out of context to prove it, folks. That, that's my argument on that. Now, it is wonderful after being saved to be received in the Lord's church by a 100% vote of the church. I guess it is wonderful. All I knew is when the Lord led me to old Macedonia, that you're not joined there, I was just tickled to death and happy as I could be when they received me and baptized and made me a member over there. And I've been tickled to death and happy as I can be, been old time Baptist ever since. Members are received in the church by experience in baptism. I agree with that. They give the worldwide commission. He says members that have been dismissed from the church by exclusion can be received into the church by restoration. I, I agree with that also. That's the Bible doctrine. I don't agree with the verse they use. They use Galatians 6 and 1, talking about a weak member in the church, and we that are strong in the church, strengthen that weak member. Help that weak member to grow stronger. That's not how you've got to think. Galatians 6 and 1 has nothing to do with church membership. Now, they can apply it if they want to and misuse the scriptures, but they don't apply it to it. Uh, all right, we believe there are scriptures to indicate receiving members by letter or credible letter from the sister churches of like faith and like order uh, is scriptural. We find that Acts 15 letters were used by the church at Jerusalem as ways of communicating with other churches. I read Acts 15, I'm sure you have too. The church at Jerusalem did send with the brethren that they sent down there to Antioch letters of recommendation. But nowhere does that state in that passage of scriptures that Antioch asked for a letter for their membership, nor does it state in that scripture that Jerusalem granted them letters of transfer to transfer their membership down Antioch. So therefore they have misapplied this verse of scripture to try to prove a point that they cannot prove out of the scriptures. I don't care how hard they try to. You cannot in the scriptures find where one church asked for a letter and another church granted it, and then that other church then by majority about the United folks voted to take that letter. You cannot find that nowhere in the scriptures that they teach. Now, one church can receive members from another church by letter when both churches are like faith in their practice and order, and this be recognized by the Lord as being a scriptural sound practice. A letter of dismissal is a recommendation of one church to another church that the member is in good standing full fellowship. And that's exactly what the letter is. I agree with that. And he gives an example of that. And then he gives Romans 16, 1 and 2 as a reference point of a written church letter. Do you all know what Romans 16, 1 and 2 testify about? Paul is recommending Phoebe to the church at Rome. For them to help her in whatever need that she needs. Now, the last time I thought of this, Paul wasn't an assembly of God, the church of the Lord, was he? How in the world can a personal recommendation by a preacher be referred to as a church letter to transfer Phoebe's membership to the church at Rome? See how foolish that their arguments are for their lack of... Thing? 
Colossians 4 and 10. Aristocrats, my fellow prisoners saluteth you, and mark the sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you received commandments. If it come unto you, receive them. Again, is Paul a church? This letter of recommendation he was given, Articurus, is that, is, is that a church letter? Then why try to use that as a basis to prove that you got to go from one church to another by a letter? It's not there. The Apostle Paul in divine inspiration commended, recommended to the church at Rome and Colossae to receive these. I agree with that. He did by, by divine inspiration. But it wasn't church authority. I believe everything that Paul wrote in the Bible was written by divine inspiration. I believe every word that the Bible teaches that that was written in the original. And I'm sure you do too. 1 Corinthians 14 and, and 40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order and in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And I amen that, folks. God does want order, and God wants peace. But we're not the ones that have brought the confusion and division among the Baptists. We have stood for the old past. And I have proved that all through these meetings here. I give you examples of how our forefathers settled their disagreements. I have shown you out of, out of, out of documented Baptist facts how even churches were constituted out of rightfully excluded members. How churches was recognized as being a church out of a minority that walked out of their conference. I showed that over and over, and Baptists have been in unity down through the years. Now these brethren are the ones that are trying to change Baptist doctrine. Amen. And what amazes me about these good brethren, bless their hearts, they won't holler have I not commanded you? Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths and walk therein. Wherein is the good way? And you'll find rest for your souls. And they say, we will not walk therein. And then they cite us this 1881 article. Oh, I didn't read that, did I? Excuse me, brother. I got carried away with the, with the other scriptures. that I left that part out. But I'll get it in now because it's going... I want this because it's going on permanent record. Now... The report was read and filed with the clerk, also taken from the Enon Baptist Association minutes, and it says 1851, that's a typo, that's 1881. Whereas it has come to the knowledge of this association that members of several churches belong to this body have left the church, where they hold membership without letters of recommendation and have been received by other churches without letters therefore resolved that in the opinion of this association such procedure is altogether improper and calculated to create discord and confusion and eventually destroy the fellowship between sister churches. Therefore, this association would advise the churches composing her body as a general rule to receive no member of a sister church who failed to come recommended by letter as a member in good standing and full fellowship in the church where they hold membership. So, so here we have the United Association adopted this and they passed that in 18, 1999 as the way we're supposed to stay now. Now, I have uh, read you the resolution twice. I have it right straight from the non minutes of, 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 of 1881. Now, let me ask y'all a question. What makes y'all think, why do you think that the Enon Association wrote this resolution to start with? Wouldn't it because they had churches in their body that were actually taking members from sister churches without letters? If they didn't have that problem, they would not have had to make that resolution. Now, 
if these brethren's arguments are correct that we're supposed to break fellowship, withdraw fellowship, and, and accuse the sister church that takes somebody by statement as no longer walking in the faith here in the scribe, and accuse them then of being an alien church and their baptism is no good because they're, one of their arguments on scriptural baptism is, is their four qualifications on scriptural baptism. Number one, you've got to be saved. Number one, two, you've got to be uh, uh, properly baptized. Number three, you've got to be ordained by a scriptural presbytery. And number four, you've got to be walking in the faith here and described to be a scriptural administrator. In other words, if you don't go along this, you're not a scriptural administrator. That's, that's their document. Now, the question I'd have here was, did this association in 1881 pass this resolution Because they, they thought in the future they'd have that problem? Or did they already have that problem? If you look at the Enon Minutes of 1881 and look right there where they record the names of the people that's seated, you're going to find W.R. Minnick, Messenger from Independence. Now keep that in mind. W.R. Minnick, Messenger from Independence. Now keep that in mind because he he was sleeping so long and taking him to Independence. And then that same year, Independence sent him as a messenger. And he was seated. And the Enon Association did not unseat Independence Church over it. Now, the very next year, let me get that minute out real quick. Well, bye-bye. The very next year under New Business, 1882, under the head of New Business, Brother Burnley, S.W.D. Burnley from Siloam Church, asked the body to look into a matter of difference between Siloam and Independence Churches. The trouble seemed to arise out of the fact that Independence Church received some members from into her body that were claimed by Siloam Church. After consideration, considerable discussion, Brother Carson moved that a committee of five brethren be appointed by the moderator to labor with these churches and endeavor to reconcile the difficulty uh, said to me to report at the next association. Uh, watch this. Brother James Baker, in behalf of Peyton's Creek, asked for a committee to look into a similar case between Peyton's Creek and Defeated Creek. So you got four churches that already the next year at least if they weren't already in 1881 involved of receiving members without letters after the resolution was passed. See, a resolution is a resolution. Association can advise churches to do these things. But every church has to adopt that resolution before it comes valid to that church. The local church has more authority in government than the association does. And we forgot that as old-time Baptists. Now, in 1882, uh, but S.R. Hawkins was seated as a messenger, and they recognized G.C. Harris. Harris, well, they did him also in 1881. They recognized G.C. Harris and, and, uh, as an ordained minister. In 82, they did too. Now, G.C. Harris was also excluded from Siloam and had been taken in at independence. Well, we've got a problem with, with that new doctrine they started about 20-something years ago, ain't they? They can't live by their own doctrine. They can't judge themselves righteously by what they're putting forth out there for the rest of us to go by. 
And the Bible claims, Judge not lest you be not judged, for what judges you mean it shall be measured to you again. In other words, if I judge something, I've got to be willing to stand by that judgment myself. These brethren have judged all of us that are not the 42 on that list that are walking the faith here described and accusing us of being alien. Let them judge themselves and see how well they're walking. So far, their arguments are not going to hold up, are they? Taken from Solomon Minutes. And I'm talking about off their, off their minute book. On Saturday before the first Sunday in May 1881, the Church of Siloam met with divine worship, said in conference an opportunity was given to any person or persons wishing to unite with the church. No one came forward. The member preceding meetings was called and, and poor read, read and adopted. G.C. Harris's case was taken up before the church and making his was not making his knowledge was excluded from the church for telling falsehoods. Mm. Well, we know, at least now we know what the preacher Harris was doing by their opinion, don't we? And W.R. Mann's case was taken and taken up, and the committee made their report and, and was released. He, failing to make the necessary acknowledgments, was excluded for getting drunk. I'll tell you something humorous about when I read back minutes back in. It was all right for the brethren to drink as long as they didn't drink to where they could feel it. I'm honest about that. That was that, before prohibition. Then brethren back there would take them a little snip every now and then. And it was all right back then for them to do that as long as they could, didn't drink to the point of ugly excess. Well now, the church then granted the following sisters letters of dismission. N.A. Stinson and J.H. and R.F. Stinson. The church then received the letter uh, to, uh, to the sectional meeting, no other business, so forth. Now that's high bonus minutes. Right here is a copy of Bledsoe Creek or Independence Minutes. It tells what they did on this matter in 1881. You find this if you want to down the archives down at Nashville in their archives. I found it in a drawer. You got the whole history, all all the minutes of Bledsoe Association up to 19. I mean Bledsoe Creek Church up to 1890, I think it was. Anyway, it says Independence Missionary Baptist Church record, April 1881. On Saturday before the second Sunday in April 1881, the church at Independence met and after divine worship, sat in conference. Opportunity was given to any person to unite with the church. Was received by letter, Brother Giles Harris, an ordained minister of the gospel, Sister Elizabeth Harris, Brother W.R. Minnick, an ordained deacon, Sister Martha E. Minnick, and four, he's got F-O-R-E, but it's F-O-U-R, without letters, namely Brother Stephen Hawkins, Wife and daughter and brother Robert Harris, brother Stephen Hawkins as a licensed minister. Now you could ask yourself, why did they take these two brethren that Siloam said they excluded by letter? I'll tell you why. Brother Harris and, and brother Minnie, they they'd gotten their letters and had left Siloam. And then Siloam got mad and rescinded the action of granting the letters and then called upon the carpet. I think they might have done it a day late and a dollar short, but they still called them up on the carpet, told them to come back and make their deposit. That that was it, so they bought it down independence, as far as they were concerned. Okay, now remember in 1882, they appointed this committee by the association to get with Salon and to get with, with independence and try to work the problem out. Now, 
Here is the report in 1883 of that committee. Your committee, after two days' investigation and labor with said churches through committees appointed by each, concluded that both churches had acted out of order and recommended to them as the best means of settling the differences. That independence church requires certain brethren over whom the difficulty originated to send written acknowledgments to Siloam Church. That their membership be allowed to remain with independence church and there be finally buried. To which the independence church agreed, but Siloam dissented. Oh, well, Siloam wouldn't go along with that at all. Now, I don't know how much unity is involved in that. When, when your associational committee recommends something to do to bring unity, independence was willing to do it. Siloam said, not going to do it. Ain't going to go along with that. But that was the recommending of the, of the uh, association brethren that they reported back. Oh, by the way, in 1883, the association still recognized W.R. Minnick as a messenger. They still recognized G.C. Harris as an ordained minister. Whoops. And they also recognized S.R. Hawkins as an ordained minister. Remember Siloam excluded him? Bledsoe ordained him. Is that something? According to our brethren today, Bledsoe would have ordained one of Siloam's excluded members. See, they didn't look at it like that back then. Once they, a person was severed from a church, they were no longer a member of that church. Regardless of how they were severed. Whether it's by letter, by credit letter, or, or by, by exclusion. They were no longer a member of that church. Now, in 1884, to show you that uh, things don't get no better for that, their arguments. Now remember, now that we don't got about what, one, two, three, three years passed by, 30-something churches in the, in the Enon Association at this time, and not one church has broke fellowship with independence over this. Not one church. Not even Siloam themselves broke fellowship with independence over this. Not only that, Siloam's messengers were seating there at the Enon Association with independence messengers, the ones they excluded even. Now where's, the, where's, where's that new doctrine that these brethren I just read from? Where's that, where's that in, in the old paths at? It's not there, is it? Who's standing for them old paths? We are. We're still standing for them old paths, aren't we? Yes, sir, really we are. Now... Let's see what else I got here that might be interesting. Well, somebody, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just to show you, I'm telling you the truth. You can turn to uh, to uh, History of Tennessee Baptist by Grimes on page 351. It says this church has set, had the honor of sending out the following ministers: J.P. Gilliam and B.B. Davis was ordained August 1878. Elders e, by Elders E.B. Haney, J.S. Purdue, and J.K. Tinsley. Elders. Elder S.R. Hawkins was ordained November 1883 by A.H. Rather and R.H. Pilon. Elder J.L. Hawkins was ordained in 1892 and so forth. So here we have Independence or Bledsoe Creek ordained a brother that Siloam says is their excluded members. Would our brethren on the other side today recognize this man as being ordained scripturally? Would they recognize any of his work being scriptural? <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember or not, but you look at, I'll just give you this and I ain't got the record with it. I thought I had it and I, I don't know what it did with it. But you look at it in Grimes' history. Uh, Long Creek Church was organized around 1840, something or other. They had a big disturbance in the 70s and then they voted to go out of existence. Long Creek now. 
Uh, two or three brethren went over there and, and, and had a meeting and got back and got about 14 back together and they reconstituted them. One of the brethren that sit in the constitution of Long Creek Church, that the one we know today, was S.R. Hawkins. Now, what does that put Long Creek about the let's walk by this new rule thing? One person's all it takes that's unscriptural by their views to make the whole thing unscriptural. That's their position, not mine. Or I've done that, I've done that. Uh, I've done this, I've done that. Now, I'm going to give you what Baptist doctrine teaches. Not what these brethren that's met over here. If you notice, they, they, they didn't quote from one sound Baptist manual. In other words, they disregard all of our forefathers and how they stood and how they practiced. They disregarded that in about uh, 1999 through that era. This totally disregarded it. They did use some scriptures, but now, I, would, I would highly... The debate them with their scriptures they use, so they ain't got late stand on none of the scriptures they use. But let, let's look at what Baptists hold to. Now, I know time, in this day and time, Missionary Baptist Church. Now, we've got churches in this area that we live in that are older than the Appalachian Missionary Baptist. I know some don't like it, but some of them will say that well, we, we go all the way back to John on Missionary Baptist. We do no such thing. But now we got church. Before we was called missionary Baptists, we were called United Baptists. You know why? Because the regular Baptists, the separate Baptists, came together. They agreed on their differences where they couldn't fellowship one another, and they agreed on those differences and came together and united and said, "Let these things be no longer a bar fellowship from us." And they, they, they then we started wearing united. Before that, it was regular and separate. Before that, it, some was called particular and some called general over in England. And before that, we were called Anna, A-N-A Baptist. And we proudly wore that name. Well, I, I, I proudly am proud of it. From the time that Bishop Stephen in 400 and something other declared those that opposed the Roman Catholic movement and called us Anabaptists or rebaptized. And we wore that name all up to the Reformation. And matter of fact, remember Miles West? The church he was baptized into in, in, in Virginia on the courthouse records still wore the name Anabaptist. I'm proud of that myself. I'm proud we go back two miles west. Now, the Philadelphia Association is the first oldest association in, in the United States of America. Most of these brethren came from England and Wales and settled our country looking for freedom of worship. There is a problem in 1726 that came before the association. They called it a query or, or, or a question. And what they asked was... Uh, uh, from the church at Montgomery, in case there might be a division and a, div uh, a division, a rent of separation falling in the church of Great Britain, and each party uh, combining together in church form, each being sound in faith, and during the separation, both parties recommend members unto us here as in full fellowship with them. How may the churches here proceed in such a case? Now, here we've got a church in England, they divided over something. Both of them claim to be the church. Both of them do. Yeah. So, so that's not nothing. We're facing that somewhere around here in Tennessee. Amen. So what did they say do? 
We do advise that the churches here take no further notice of the letters by the persons brought here than to satisfy themselves that such were baptized persons of regular conversation and to take such into the church covenant as if they had not been member, members of any church before. That's, that's taken by statement, folks. They were recognized. This association recognized both sides of that division as being churches. They recognized both sides of having the authority to baptize. They recognized both sides of having the authority to administer the Lord's Supper. But because of the confusion between the two, they said, well, just take them like they weren't members of any church as long as you're satisfied that the baptisms are good. Something to think about, ain't it? Brown's Church Manual states on page 26, those who have been members of a Baptist church and in consequence of any particular circumstance have no regular letters of dismission may be received by giving satisfactory evidence of a change of heart, Christian conduct, and scriptural faith. What does that mean? That means if, if you present yourself to church and you don't have the letter for some reason, don't say what the reason, just any reason, you don't have the letter, then that church can receive you by listening to your testimony. And basically that's what we do anyway, ain't it? Don't everybody join our church if they have to give their testimony from nature to grace? Yeah. If they don't, you, if y'all ain't practicing that way, you ought to. I'll be honest, you ought to. Now, Baptist Church Manual by J. M. Pendleton, page 19. It sometimes happens that persons who have been baptized where there is no church and persons who owe into the extinction of the church to which they belong or to other circumstances find themselves without letters of dismission wish to enjoy the privileges of church of membership. In such cases, it is only necessary for the church applied to to be satisfied of the worthiness of the, of the applicant and they are received. In other words, only the church receiving the member has to be satisfied with the member that's come into their body. Amen. That's Baptist doctrine, folks. Each church is responsible to bind and loose their members according to the Scriptures. And so I said, oh, but you can't prove in the Scriptures that someone was taken by statement. Better can. Paul, Paul was let down in a basket, basket in Damascus and he fled and went over to Jerusalem. You find this in Acts. And he essayed to join himself to Jerusalem and they wouldn't receive him because they were afraid of him. So Barnabas took him aside, took him aside, and explained to him how Saul had gotten saved on the road. Now he was preaching the gospel, and then he went in and out amongst them. Now, rule number one: had he a church letter from Damascus, they would not have been afraid of him. So they had to take him by statement for him to win out amongst. Them. Now, Ben M. Bogart, the Baptist Way Book, page seventy-four, and I know I've got some of these before, but I want this on this permanent record for the future. Because everybody won't have a been in Bogart manual. It says, Another church is not bound to receive a member because he comes with a letter. A letter is only a recommendation and is in no sense a transfer. When a person is well known to a church of which he wishes to become a member, there is no necessity for a church letter. The church knowing him well, it does not need a recommendation of him. But as a matter of courtesy toward the church of which a person is a member, it would be altogether right for him to ask for a letter before uniting with another church. So what's Brother Bogart saying? A church don't have to have the letter. As a matter of courtesy, they should accept it, or should ask for one. 
But what do you do when you ask your sister church out of courtesy for a, a letter of amendment that the Lord's put in your body and they say, oh, you're not walking in faith here in the scribe. We can't grant it to you. You're not walking in our beliefs. What well, are you taking away from statement? The truth about the matter is it's the Lord that sets them in the church as it pleases Him. Amen. All we do is confirm what, what God does. So we see here that uh, Brother Bogart says the letter is not a transfer of membership. This new bunch that's going out amongst us, claiming to be old-time Baptists and in the old past, they say a letter is a transfer of membership. Which one's departed from the faith? I believe Bogart's a lot older than they are. Cathcart, Baptist Encyclopedia Doctrine and Ordinance of General History, page 686. Letters of dismission are granted to members to unite with other churches of same faith and gospel order. A letter of dismission is only a recommendation to the brother in his favor. It is granted. No church is obliged to receive it or him. In other words, you, you can't transfer just because you want to. Every Baptist has a right to obtain a letter to unite with a regular Baptist church unless there is a charge against him. And this privilege is believed would be sustained by civil courts. And for the same reason, if a member is excluded from a church contrary to its bylaws, or if it has none against the usage of the denomination, the courts would order his restoration. In other words, the government lets us as old-time Baptists set our rules that we're going to govern ourselves, and they don't care. But once we settle, they won't see to it that we abide by them. Now, I gave this earlier. I'm going to give this again for this tape here. Old Landmark, what is it? When a church has excluded a member, she has no further jurisdiction over him than over a publican or one she has never belonged to her body. She has no right to say what church shall not any more than what one shall receive him. Each church on earth has an unquestioned right to receive whom she pleases to her fellowship. If she can fellowship a certain person, it is not her business or duty to inquire if a church possibly exists on earth that cannot and for this reason reject it. Don't you all agree with that? I agree with that. Lafayette Church has to, has to be pleased and satisfied that you're bounding your members according to what God wants. Just like old Macedonia has to do that. Now they say that you cannot take somebody that is excluded from a church. I read that to you tonight, didn't they say that? Well, let's look on Pendle's Manual, pages 115 and 116, and see, see what our, our old forefathers said about this. Sometimes, however, a member is unjustly excluded. Prejudice or party feeling may control the actions of the church. In the exercise of discipline, the law of Christ may be departed from. Acknowledgement which should be satisfactory may be declared insufficient. The arraigned member is unjustly expelled. The impression it may be is made on the community as well as on sister churches that the expulsion is unjust. What is to be done? The excluded member is suffering wrongfully and earnestly desires to enjoy church privileges. The church that has passed the excluding act ought to rescind it. Suppose, however, the church disregarding the advice of disinterested judicious brethren does not rescind the act. Then the expelled member and the injustice of his exclusion being known may be received in the fellowship of another church. 
Boy, that poor that brother's argument down there he just gave, didn't it? I think I'll think what Brother Pendleton says and what Baptist has stood for down through the years. Rarely does it happen, but it does happen, folks. People are sometimes wrongfully excluded. And it does happen. And I'm going to tell you all something, folks. I believe this with all my heart. I wouldn't I wouldn't be teaching this if I didn't believe this with all my heart. And if I didn't believe this with Baptist doctrine, I wouldn't be teaching this. But I believe it's God's will that every human being in this world would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that the Lord wants every saved individual to have a church home in this world where they can come together, they can worship Him in a collective body, be able to sit together in heavenly places and to grow and to mature as young Christians into a, a, a church fitly framed. I believe that with all my heart. And these brethren that are teaching these other things, it's nothing. They're biting, they're devouring, and they're destroying the kingdom of God in this area. Amen. And what's sad, they think they're standing for the truth. Amen. The church is, is, is in, it, there is in church independence ample, ample authority for this course of procedures. The acts of a church are valid when they accord with the laws of Christ. When they do not, they are null and void. Now, I, I want to read to you a case that happened amongst us. Now, we as Baptists believe that we receive members by experience of baptism, don't we? By letter or credit letter from a sister church of like faith, order, and practice. We all agree with that. By restoration, if someone has been excluded and, made their, and, and got it right with God, they come back and tell us their testimony where God forgave them, and then we, we, we do it. Those three ways that... And the final is by statement or by recommendation, or by affiliation, or by just plain old experience. It's recorded in all those ways in our history books and in our minutes. Now, the church at Liberty in Ohio. We had two churches. I used Pastor Liberty. They're good people. I love them. Brother Kerry Kemp's there now. Well, I guess the ones I knew have been departed for a whirlwind home. It's been so long. But nevertheless, they had a problem back in, in, in 64, uh, they had some members from Grace Number Two, which was also in a solemn association the year before, that had joined Liberty, and Grace wouldn't grant them no letters. So Liberty got with Grace and, and, and tried to find out what these members did that, that, that they needed to correct. And, and Grace said there wasn't no charges on them, they hadn't done anything on they just wouldn't grant them letters because <laughs> they wouldn't support the pastor they called. What more down to So Liberty, now I, I'm going to read this, I'm giving you an idea of what happened because. Liberty Church appealed to the Siloam Association as a body, a kingdom of the Lord's churches for advice on how to do this. It says here, on August the 15th, and I got this out of the, out of the 65 minutes of Siloam Association. I've got a copy at home, but it was easier to read out of this book that I wrote because I had it documented accurately. It says that on August 15, 1965, 20 members of Grace Missionary Baptist Church number two at Doyle South, Ohio, joined Liberty Church on the credit of letters from Grace number two. These 20 brothers and sisters left their home church due to serious problems that rose in the midst. These troubles included unorthodox practice, rules, and the call of a pastor that teaches such things as making a decision for Christ, accepting Christ, pastoral rule, deacons board to make decisions, just a majority vote to receive members in church fellowship, and many others, but these can be proved to be a fact. Liberty wrote the, church, the, the, the Grace Church for letters and received the following reply. We, the Grace Missionary Baptist Church number two, met for our regular business meeting 
September the 5th, 1965. The request for letters from Grace Missionary Baptist Church number two delivered church was not granted. Brother Robert Maynard made a motion to not grant the letters until they came to the church and made an apology. The motion was seconded by Brother Chester Carpenter. Motion carried by vote. Grace number two, Dawestown, Ohio. Clerk, George Dameron. Liberty Church Center committed to visit Grace Church, seeking information as to the nature of the apology. As no charges were mentioned in the letter, and none of the 20 had received any notification of the charge, the committee reported to the church that there was no uh, one charge, but, but a multitude of complaints and accusations from the pastor and some, some male members of Grace Number 2 in a private meeting in the basement of Grace Church. This private meeting was agreed to by the committee only after they were rebuked by the pastor from the pulpit to bring the matter before the entire church and not before the pastor. The committee was shamefully reproached and as, as was the Liberty Church and Solemn Association. We are sorry that the association was accused of such a fashion in dealing with this situation. As the committee did not receive any formal complaint concerning these 20 members, and the Grace Church refuses to grant letters, although no charges have been brought against them, we appeal to this body for advice in handling the problem in a scriptural way. Did y'all get that? We pray that you will not think us too critical in our report, but these things were only presented to you that you might know what these brethren were exposed to in Grace Church. Approved by Liberty Church, September 1965, M.T. Tillman Clerk, Calvin Perry Grove Moderator. Recommendations of the committee. We, the following committee, appointed by the Association to Advise Messengers of Liberty Church, on the aforesaid matters, advise in a unanimous voice that Liberty Church receive the members from Grace Number 2 by statement. Did y'all catch that? Now what did that brother say before? If you received somebody by statement, you're a serpent authority, you're no longer a sister church. Did you know the brother that wrote that article is a member of Long Creek Missionary Baptist Church? Jeremiah, the, the association met down there that day and made this ruling. So the association says this about taking somebody to statement. If the church has gone out of existence, if a church has departed from basic cardinal doctrines, if a brother has been wrongfully excluded, that's been bad disposition down through the years. And now the Solomon Association says, and if a church won't grant you a letter and have no grounds. Now who's practicing no time Baptist doctrine? This new bunch that's went out and set their own rules and regulations? Or us that's standing in the old paths? I do want to mention one or two more things. I, I realize I probably covered a lot of territory tonight. I wish I knew how, how to do this. Uh, I'm doing it the very best I know how. I just don't know how to do it. But I want the information out. I spent, brethren and sisters, I have spent hours upon hours trying to find out what truth is. I'll tell you why I did. You know why I did that? Years ago, a good brother of mine up in Simpson County, that, that's Pastor in Hillsdale, he called me up and said, Brother Rodney, I want you to come over to Hillsdale uh, and I want you to tell us why that North Carthage is not a scriptural church. Well, you know, I've been taught all my life that North Carthage wasn't a scriptural church. You know why they wasn't scriptural? Well, because they had taken three members from Peyton's Creek in their constitution. So they weren't scriptural no more. So I went to two of my brethren, Brother J.D. Sanders 
And Brother Carol Ramsey for information. Brother Sanders said to me, bless his heart, he said, Brother Carter, your work has been down in that area about all your life. You should know more about that problem than I do. And I said, Brother Sanders, you, I said, you mean y'all have told us that North Carthage is not a scriptural church and you don't have any, any facts on it? I went to Brother Ramsey and Brother Ramsey said, won't you take my word? I said, I will just between me and you. But if I'm going to have to make a stand somewhere, I want some facts. And he couldn't provide any either. Or didn't. That's the reason I started searching. Trying to find out what is truth. I don't want to be wrong, folks. When I stand before my creator in judgment, I don't want to be wrong on these issues. Nor do I want to teach others to be wrong. There was a division in Siloam between 1920 and 1923. You will find this in the Wise of I'm going to tell you basically what happened because I'm running a long time. I know that. But I've got to get these out because I won't ever get a chance to get back to them. Siloam Church had took the word of one member and excluded two others. A.J. Sloan was their pastor. Uh, and uh, they, they took the word over one member, charged it. The member charged with four counts. They took them up. They excluded them two brethren. One of them's name was F.M. Woodard. The other was J.C. Sloan. These two brethren that were excluded at Siloam went over to Rocky Mountain. See, Brother Sloan was the pastor at Siloam when this happened. He knew exactly what happened. He, went, he was pastor in Rocky Mountain. Now, so these two brethren went over to Rocky Mountain and joined by affiliation. 1921 or 2, something like that. Siloam brought Mount, uh, Rocky Mountain up in the association that year. As a matter of fact, I think I've got some documentation somewhere on that. I remember what did we do. Well, then, I'll, I'll get to you heart now. I'll get you off the table later if you want to. But, but anyway, it came up before the association. Siloam brought, brought Rocky Mountain up for the association. So the association appointed a committee to get with Siloam and get to, with Rocky Mountain and try to work the problem out. Well, all right, the, the committee got with both of them, and they advised Rocky Mountain, if they would, to just rescind the action of receiving these two brethren so that Siloam could retry their cases. Well, if they were still members of Siloam, like they argue nowadays, even though Siloam excluded them, why did why would Rocky Mountain have to rescind the action so they had access back to them? So the association recognized these two members at Rocky Mountain even though they had been excluded from Siloam. Well, Rocky Mountain, trying to keep unity, good faith with Siloam, rescinded that action to give Siloam the opportunity to retry the case. <laughs> Did not happen. The next year, we see that Siloam is bringing Pleasant Grove up in the association for receiving these same two members, F.M. Woodward and J.C. Sloan. F.M. Woodward was seated as a messenger that year. From Pleasant Grove. And there was Siloam seating, their messenger seating with their excluded member in that association. Motion made to throw that case out and have nothing else to do with it. But they first wanted to point the two churches to get together and, and get a committee to work that problem out. But then they made a motion to just throw it out and not have nothing else to do with it. I've got the minutes of, of Siloam at the house when this happened. I've read it all. Pleasant Grove very courteously wrote Siloam a letter and asked them what churches would they like to invite to a council 
so they could work the differences out. You know what Siloam's reply was? It's not our responsibility to try your members. What does that tell you? That means that Siloam at that time realized that those members belonged at Pleasant Grove. That was never settled. That remained like that from then on. Siloam would not, just like they did in Independence, they wouldn't agree to correct anything because they were in the wrong, but they continued to fellowship. Now, in the Barren River Association, you, we, we need to really get this one out. In their bylaws, I'm going to read this to you. All right. Uh, we will not hold in fellowship any church that retains in its pulpit any preacher who has severed... Oh, that's not the one. We will not hold in fellowship any church that is known to receive members from another church in the Barren River Association without a letter of recommendation. Pretty good rule, ain't it? In 1964, Temple Hill in the Barren River Association called Brother Enlo Jones to help them in a revival. This, you'll find this, I've got the documentation here if you'll look at it. They called him to help them in a revival. He belonged at Long Creek, the same Long Creek we all know about. While he was helping in that meeting, he tried to get the people to, to do something, you know, get to move and get something going. And these people took it wrongfully. And they accused Brother Enlo Jones of heresy of trying to get people to do things without the Spirit leading them to do it. And they closed their meeting. There was a big racket over it. And this accused brother, and brother Earl Fraser, he belonged at Freedom Number Two. Some of y'all know where that's at. I've been there. It's good people up there. But he belonged at Freedom Number Two. And so Freedom Number Two brought Brother Fraser up on charges, and they tried his case. And brother, they, and the end result of Freedom Number Two was they didn't feel like that brother Enlo Jones was guilty of heresy. They exonerated him, and then brother Earl Fraser would not apologize for it. So freedom number two excluded him. Right there wrongfully. You know, you've been judged on that. That's what the records show. Temple Hill then, in their conference, made a motion to write a letter to freedom number two and meet and ask them to reconsider that because they felt like that Earl Fraser should be the, their pastor because the Lord had put him there. And they sent three or two or three messengers with the with, with their committee, or sent the committee that letter to, to give to, to freedom number two. And freedom number two, according to Temple Hill, rejected them, wouldn't even, wouldn't even answer. So freedom number two, I mean, uh, uh, Temple Hill then took freedom number two's member that they had excluded, a preacher, into their fellowship as an ordained preacher by statement. Violated the very rules of the Barren River Association. The next year at the association, they came forward with a long letter explaining why they did it. And, and, and you know what the you know what the Barren River Association did? They didn't tell them, well, y'all got to send Brother Frazier back over to Freedom Number Two because he's their possession. They just made a motion and second to forgive Temple Hill for violating the rule of order. That's what they should have done, and brought and kept the unity in the association. And Brother Old Frazier continued to pastor Temple Hill. Now, so, so these cases here come right out of our own Baptist minutes and records, folks. Now, next week, if y'all want me to come back, we're going to take up the split of Dixon's Creek. 
You might find some interesting things that I've uncovered in history. Anything on y'all's hearts? Any questions? Thank you for another good lesson. Appreciate your study and preparation and delivery of it. Appreciate that. Any questions on what I presented to you tonight? We'll come back. There's other things. I mean, there's so much out there that's caused confusion that we, if we just come together as bad, we can do away with this confusion. You know what it takes to end it? Brethren, I'm sorry. Brethren, I accept it. That's right. Just, that's all it takes. Brethren, I'm sorry. Brethren, I accept that. That's right. And then we can walk together as God's people the way God wants us to. Amen. Listen, folks, I am not for alien immersion. But. The things that some of our brethren call an alien immersion is not alien immersion. Amen. Amen. Oh, I know. I was led down that blind road at one time. I tell you what. I tell you what's what's a bitter pill to swallow is when you've been standing on those issues like that, and and your mama's cousin dies and gives you a bunch of minutes, <laughs> old minutes, Enon, and you start reading those minutes and you see you've been wrong, and you get sick at your stomach when the Lord lets us see you've been wrong on this. Somebody said, you backed up. Yeah, I backed up. Because I was wrong. Opposing our, our brethren that was, was trying to serve God. And, and there wasn't a scripturally wrong with them. Of all hearts and minds, it's clear that, that I can't remember. Did, we, did y'all dismiss with, with a prayer? Brother Carter, we've got a plate out here. He didn't ask for any money.